This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's the issue Doug Ford chose to kick off this election campaign, and it very clearly separates the progressive conservatives from the opposition parties. I'm talking about the proposed Highway 413, with the Tories boasting, yes, boasting that they are the only ones who will build it, and the other parties committing to scrap it. And There's an interesting history here because it was first proposed in 2005 under the Liberals and the current Liberal leader, Stephen Del Duca, iced the project when he was transport minister in the Wynn government. So I'd like to hear from you, especially if you live in the areas where that highway is going to be built, the numbers 416-360-0740. Toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And first, let's go to Liberal leader Stephen Del Duca. Hi there. Hi, Libby. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, you are very welcome. I think it's interesting that that you previously uh, kiboshed this project. So tell us why. Well, look, I paused the project as Minister of Transportation because I had grave concerns about its negative impact on the green belt on farmland, on wetlands, on protected spaces. So at the time I paused it, I appointed an independent panel to do a review of the project. They came back with a unanimous opinion that said, if it was built, it would cost multi-billions of dollars and only save a relatively small handful of commuters about 30 seconds per day. Just couldn't justify a multi-billion dollar investment that would pave over the green belt and destroy wetlands and farmland and not provide real commuter relief. So we stopped it the first time. And if elected premier in a few weeks, I will stop it once and for all. And I will take the $10 billion Doug Ford wants to waste on Highway 413 and invest it in repairing our existing public schools and building new ones. Okay, here's a question I have about that math on the time saved, because as far as I understand, the rationale for saying it's only going to save 30 seconds is that if you build it, they will come. And if it's built, there will be more and more commuters. The population is growing. And that's why it won't save very much time. But my question is, if you don't build it, won't those people who will be living there anyway, the area is growing, go on to the existing highways and they'll go from being gridlocked to being horrific. No, so the other the other challenge with building a highway like this and, and, and by the way, I'm the only one running for premier who lives in the affected area. So maybe for Doug or the other leaders it's a bit of an abstract conversation. It's not for me. Uh, this highway would go through parts of my home community of Vaughn. In fact the part of the green belt that would be paved over by this highway uh, is in Vaughn specifically. But you know, here's the thing about the highway. It's what we like to call or don't like to call a sprawl spreader. So if it gets built, it's going to create more uh, urban sprawl, which we've been trying for years to limit in this province and build more sustainably. And I think there are alternatives to building more and more highways, uh, especially one that's going to cost $10 billion. And by the way, take more than 10 years to complete. I said to a reporter the other day, I'm, I'm going to be 49 this July. By the time this highway, if it ever did get built, would be open to vehicles, I'd be eligible for the CPP. And so <laughs> it's, it's not, there's no relief. Don't take commuters. it at 60, Stephen. <laughs> so that's my <laughs> advice to you. <laughs> but, you know, like there's no, there's no real relief there. So just the other day when I instead announced that Ontario Liberals would deliver what I'm calling buck a ride province-wide to drop transit fares to $1 uh, with every ride and only $40, to $40 for a monthly pass, that, for example, we estimate would take 400,000 cars off Ontario's roads, and we're going to do it within 100 days of taking office. You're not going to have to wait a decade for imaginary relief from Doug Ford. Ontario Liberals will deliver it quickly for your pocketbook and for your commute. Uh, so, again, before we go, uh, do you foresee, if this is not built, the gridlock, I would think, will be getting what much worse? No, no? I, don't, I don't agree at all. I think with our plan to build sustainable communities, 
we'll be able to build in a more compact, uh, sustainable, and walkable way for families. A lot of housing options that will be delivered. It's better for the environment. It's certainly better for our quality of life. And by investing in public transit and then making that public transit so much more affordable, if you live in Vaughan or Brampton or Caledon or the spaces of the communities we're talking about here, you'll be able to get relief quickly delivered by Ontario Liberals. And let me just point out, Libby, almost every municipal council that a decade ago supported this highway have now reversed themselves, and they're now opposed to the highway because they realize it's destructive and reckless, and it shows that Doug Ford has the wrong priorities. Uh, perfect segue uh, to our next guests. When we say goodbye to you, we will be talking to some of the local councillors. My very final, very quick question before we go is it your sense from talking to people during the campaign that this is actually a ballot issue for people in the area? You know, I really believe it is because I think people realize it speaks to priorities and values. I'm talking about building up public education. Doug Ford's talking about paving over the green belt. There's a very, very stark choice here. And I think people want to see public education that's second to none. And they know they can count on me and the Ontario Liberal Party to deliver it for them. Okay, thanks very much, Stephen Del Duca. Okay, well, so the ridings that the highway would cut through are all PC blue, though there are prominent conservatives like David Crombie who oppose it. And it's a mixed bag among the local councils. In Brampton, the mayor and four councillors carried the day opposing it, but Councillor Doug Willens is in favor and he's trying to get the issue reopened. And in Vaughan, the mayor came out in favor, though a majority of the council opposed it. And Vaughan City Councillor Alan Sheffman from Ward 5 in Thornhill is in that position. And of course, it is a major plank for Mike Schreiner, leader of the Green Party of Ontario. Hello to all of you. Hello, Libby. It's a pleasure to be back on. Hi. Hi, everyone else. I'd like to start locally. So Doug Willens, What are you finding from your constituents in a very bread and butter kind of way in terms of the highway? Well, I think the the, the new residents in the area, the Northwest, which is uh, our last real frontier, the Heritage Heights area. um, We have a lot of the landowners, a lot of stakeholder groups that live in that area that really came together to to look at uh, the boulevard that we wanted to do in in our Heritage Heights uh, secondary plan. Um, We're mixed use. We're, Obviously, we hear some people saying, you know, we've got to get another highway, but uh, I think generally a lot of people would rather see, uh, you know, an urban boulevard to our community. Um, and now a lot of them are coming out saying, you know, <laughs> they're opposing because it is tearing up a bit of a lot of the green belt and it's uh, it's actually putting more people on the roads where in Brampton, we're trying to do the opposite. We're, you know, electrifying our bus fleets and, uh, you know, it was Stellantis just allowing, uh, announcing the new electric vehicles and that we're really moving towards electrification of our own fleet. So it's kind of kind of goes against everything we want to do here in Brampton. So I think a lot of the constituents are now have some concerns about the highway. Huh. Interesting. Um, Alan Sheffman, where are you at on this? <laughs> Hi, Libby. Hi. Uh, yeah, well, I think we're in a very similar position as my friend, friend from Brampton in the sense that uh, the area of the proposed the path of the uh, proposed highway is 60% in the green belt in Vaughan and 40% in provincially identified prime farmland. So we have both environmentalists, people who are concerned about sustainability, as well as practically uh, the practical landowner, the person who's doing the work producing food for all of us, who are very, very concerned about their livelihoods are going to be destroyed uh, uh, by uh, the, by this highway. So, you know, it, it's so important, I think we all know, of production of food. And here we have prime farmland, and it's going to be destroyed by this highway. Um, so what about uh, the arguments, Mike Schreiner, that, uh, you know, otherwise there is gridlock, and this is where people are moving, and they need to be able to get around when there's not adequate public transit? Well, no, no, there's no question that people need to get around. Uh, no question about that. But there are alternatives. I mean, at one point, the uh, this proposed pathway, this highway, is within kilometers of an existing uh, highway, a toll highway, 407. And why isn't the effort being made to make the 407 much more functional? 
I mean, I live just literally, you know, a five-minute drive to the 407, and I do everything possible to avoid going on there, even though it's very convenient, because it's gotten so expensive. So do things around that. Address that issue, and I think what we'll do is be able to mitigate the uh, impact of, uh, of increased traffic for many, many years to come. Uh, deal with that challenge, not destroy huge amounts of valuable farmland, sensitive uh, environmental lands. Now, yeah, let me go ahead. Yeah, let me. It's Mike Schreiner here. Um, the Ontario Greens would absolutely stop this highway, and like the councillor suggested, we put concrete proposals uh, out there to um, utilize the 407 better. Um, it would be far cheaper to have a government-funded, dedicated truck lane on the 407. It would cost. Estimates are around $260 million a year, which is a fraction of the $10 billion it would cost to build a new highway. And not only would that help alleviate, um, you know, truck traffic through the region, it would also help alleviate truck traffic off of the 401 as well. Uh, we've also put on the table, let's build transit out to Bolton, which is a major uh, hub in that area, uh, looking for uh, transit release. And one of the fastest ways we can um, increase transit ridership is to have dedicated bus lanes uh, to be moving people with electrified buses at a low cost, low impact to the environment, reducing climate pollution, saving taxpayers a ton of money, and not forcing people into expensive, uh, long, soul-crushing commutes, which nobody wants. People want to live in communities uh, where they can live, work, play, and shop locally, not have to commute hours which is what Doug Ford is proposing. Well, actually, it's interesting, but if you look at his ads and everything, he, he says that what he will do will take time off the commute. But, Mike, let me ask you a, a purely political calculus question. So the writings that this would go through are now all Tory. Uh, do you uh, think that any of them are in play? Because that's my understanding for part of the raison d'etre for the whole thing. I'll just go over which ones they are, if I can find where I wrote it down. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's Milton, Dufferin, Caledon, King Vaughan, Mississauga, Streetsville are part of it, and Wellington, Halton Hills. So in your opinion, are those in play? Like, do they need this in terms of uh, voting Tories again? So, Libby, what I found in visiting those writings, and I was just in Dufferin Caledon uh, last night for a rally, is there is significant local opposition. I was the first uh, MPP at Queen's Park to come out against Highway 413. And uh, at that time, a number of the local councils were in supportive of the highway. Many of them have now come out against it. I've been leading the charge in mobilizing a whole citizens movement. If you drive through that area now, you see stop. 413 signs all over the place. And when I was in Dufferin Caledon yesterday, people were drawing the direct connection between their opposition to new gravel mining, uh, which that riding in particular has hit hard, and their opposition to the highway, because part of what's driving threats to our water and farmland from expanded gravel mines is the aggregate needed to build this highway that people don't want. And so I think people were telling me that they would much rather see other alternatives, like affordable, reliable public transit, and better utilization of the 407. Uh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned local councillors changing their minds. So if anybody uh, drew a little ha huh from what I've been saying, and uh, uh, we asked Councillor Willens, who is with us, because I thought he was in favor of the project that was in the research I did. So Councillor Willens, did you change your mind and why? I, I don't know where you got the information. I've never really been a fan of the 413. Um, I've always pushed um, for a boulevard. Now, the original motion we did put forward, um, we the, the city uh, unanimously did support a boulevard, an urban boulevard through the Heritage Heights, and we didn't do a strong, we didn't do a strong opposition to the uh, 413. My way of thinking, if we in Brampton, uh, maybe it was maybe we were thinking a little selfish, and not the other communities. But with the Heritage Heights um, community, it's all about what uh, what uh, Mike Schreiner was just speaking to. It's about people living, working, and playing. So it would eliminate people needing for those communities because you you can build around the urban boulevard. It's very tough and challenging to build around a highway. 
Sykes uh, so, so, so of 407 or the 413, there's a lot of challenges. So maybe maybe that's where you're getting it from. But I've I've always been supportive of uh, of that urban boulevard coming through our through our area. But uh, generally, there have been some councillors change their minds. Some of them are staying staying put with the 413. Um, I, I'd prefer to, to see. You know, it squashed our second motion, actually, the, the one that I didn't get to put on the table because it was a reconsideration of motion, um, because we had mentioned the 413 in it. Uh, we did speak of um, opposing it, and that we had a lot of, we had probably 12 to 15 delegates to come, and my only, uh, my only uh, really con- um, want was that council would at least allow those delegates, you know, the David Suzuki Foundation, we had the climate change people, we had uh, we had defense council, we had um, and, and a lot of groups come forward to speak, and local and local groups to speak against the 413, but they weren't given the opportunity because council wouldn't reopen the motion. So um, it was disappointing, um, absolutely disappointing. Um, because I, you know, I felt that you know the council let the residents down. That you know, okay. I, thought, I thought it was a democracy. We get okay. you know, allowed to have your say. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I, and my bad for uh, uh, not quite getting it right. Uh, let's take some calls. Let's go to John in Aurelia. Hi, how are you today? Fine. How are you? Not too bad. I think we haven't really kept up with uh, transit at all because. Years back, uh, we had a lot more rail lines, okay? Now, Mr. Del Duca, I don't think he's all that smart when it comes to uh, running railroad because it costs a lot more, and what you're going to do is you're going to subsidize it through taxpayers' dollars for those rail lines that are feeding into the uh, into Toronto. Now, the problem is... is when I say we had more rail lines back years ago, there's one rail line that's in uh, Patrick Brown's area. It goes up to Orangeville. They are tearing that out right now. So once that land is already has houses on it, you can't run a railroad down it. So now we got to put it the buses out on the road that are already congested. Now, I would like to hear somebody's take on that. Why tear up existing rail lines? Why don't we use them? Uh, okay, we'll see if anyone takes that up. Thank you. Well, well I can I can speak to it uh, a little bit. Um, is that is that the, is that Alan? It's, oh, Councillor Willen. Sorry, it's Councillor. Uh, no, let's uh, let's. <laughs> we just heard from you, so let us move to Ron in Guelph. Hi, Ron. Thanks, Libby, for taking my call. And if Mike is uh, still listening, yeah, we had a conversation on Monday night with the same very same subject. Um, since this everything came up, um, I've been against it. I've traveled to 407 on a number of occasions, and um, I I don't know how the conservatives can justify it. And I think if there's going to be any debates, either locally and all those writings to go through it, I think those uh, conservative um, candidates and Doug Ford, they've got to figure out a way to justify it. And from what Mike and what everything that I've read, 30 seconds, the other side of this thing is uh, Doug Ford won't cost it. They say $10 billion. Well, you and I both know that $10 billion today is $20 billion in a few more years, right? Well, it, uh, we'll have to see. But that's what he says. He won't cost it because it's, it's irresponsible to cost, cost something to so many years out. $10 billion is, uh, I think, their number, their ballpark is a little less than that, and $10 billion are independent people. But you're right. We have no idea, or we have a very little idea of how much this is going to cost. Thanks for your call. Uh, we have a call from another councillor in Vaughan. It's Marilyn Iafrady. Am I pronouncing that right? That's correct. Thank you. And uh, I want to thank my colleague, Councillor Shuffman, for speaking on this matter. But I do want to add to this, um, and it, it's really concerning because it's a, the amount of misinformation that's going out there on this highway to make this look palatable, to make this look like it's really great. And, you know, they, you know, choosing the worst possible route through the Greenbelt, which uh, through the Freedom of Information request that I had made, you know, clearly states that you're going to jeopardize the entire EA process. And that EA process is That's millions, environmental millions assessment. And I'm really concerned that this has never been shared with municipalities 
that perhaps those who still support it may turn their backs on it. But there's one more element to this that no one speaks about. And again, it's information that's being suppressed or kept um, low-key. But running parallel to this, and I was just saying, the reason I called is because I heard from the council from Brampton and I think the the uh, communities called Heritage Heights. Are they aware that there is a high-voltage transmission line running parallel to this highway? So if they're anywhere close to this highway, they're going to have these power lines coming across as well. It's a separate, independent EA process or study process. It's not combined, and therefore the cumulative effects of two major infrastructures is not being considered. That concerns me greatly. So that's all I wanted to add on this uh, on this issue. Okay, thanks for calling in, uh, people. Hey, Libby, uh, it's Mike Schreiner here. Can yes. I just add one more thing sure. to the councillor's comment there? And I really appreciate the Freedom of Information Act that councillor put forward because it actually shows that Doug Ford chose deliberately the most environmentally destructive route and the most financially irresponsible uh, route for for this particular highway. Not that it was bad enough. Uh, in the beginning, but it but it makes it even worse, which gets to the point that Ron brought up is, is the Premier's not even being honest or transparent with us on what this thing's going to cost? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm interested that everybody that we're talking to here is very opposed to the highway and people out there, I'd also like to hear from the other side, if there is anybody out there who thinks this is a good thing or that it will lighten their commute. What the PCs are saying is that if you use this highway from end to end, and I have no idea how many people might end up doing that if it goes forward, you would save 30 minutes each way. So the numbers to call 360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. The other thing I want to know is, is this a ballot issue for you? Are you going to cast your ballot, especially if you live in the area, based on whether you want that highway built or not. Libby, uh, yes. Councillor Alan Sheffman speaking, Hi. on the 30-minute saving thing, uh, that's very, very questionable. The data that was used, and Councillor Iafredi, who just spoke, um, uh, has done some investigation of that. Uh, she believes that the information that was used to come to that, that uh, time saving was based on very... Un- unrelated, not specific information. So we, again, you know, the $10 billion is not clearly defined. Uh, neither is the savings that are possible if you go end-to-end. And, of course, who goes end-to-end on these highways? Well, I mean, exactly. I, I'm, as a user of the 407, I'll go one or two or three different uh uh, exits. I'm not very, very rarely would I go from one end to the other. That's extraordinary. Uh, I, I would certainly agree with that, that that would be uh, extraordinary. Let's take a call from David in Oakville. Hi, David. Hi, Libby. Yeah, my question is this, and I'll just set it up for you, is the campaign in my area in Oakville is uh, Save Farmland. And having been a resident here for nearly 40 years, so my experience is that all the farmland in Oakville is now called Milton, and it's all residential. And the thought crossed my mind is, okay, great, we can save farmland. I'm all, I'm all for that. But to my experience, ultimately what is going to happen to this stuff in a very short period of time is it's going to become more residential housing. And if there isn't a highway coming through there or close to there, ultimately what's going to happen is we are going to have more congestion on roads that should have been built up 50 years ago as well as the transit system should have been up 50 years ago. We're 50 years behind in all of this. I'll stay on the line and listen. Oh, okay. And and you know what? That is one of my questions. I'll put it to Mike Schreiner. I know that those who say it'll only save a few seconds say, hey, if you build it, they will come. And it'll get gridlocked the same way the existing ones are. But uh, my question is, if they don't build it, won't what we have become completely, uh, uh, you know, completely impossible? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I actually use the 407. I I, I bite the bullet and take it because I'm asking that to Mike Schreiner. Sure. Mike? Yeah, so, um, so, so David, David's right about, um, just the paving over a farmland for single family housing, which is exactly why 
we need to start creating more housing options for people and communities that people can live, work, play, and shop locally instead of forcing families into these super long, expensive commutes that take them away from their loved ones. Um, we have about 88,000 acres of land that is available for development within our existing built uh, areas. Why not build housing there using gentle density and missing middle housing, which we can then um, address the housing affordability crisis, which is a huge crisis that we're facing in this province, while at the same time protecting the farmland that is vital to feeding us, that contributes you know, $50 billion to Ontario's economy, and the wetlands that are so vital to um, cleaning our drinking water and protecting us from flooding. If we keep paving over this, it's going to subject us to more risk from climate-fueled weather events, and it's going to start um, uh, hurting our ability to feed ourselves because we need that farmland. Okay, I am going to take... A call from Murray and Malton. Murray and Malton, we have very little time left. So uh, uh, what I'd like to ask you is, are you going to vote based on what's happening with the highway or is it other things that are going to determine how you vote? No, it's other things. That, uh, the, the highway doesn't really, I don't drive and whatever, right? But what what I'm worried about is if you don't build the highway now, there'll be no place to build it later. If we take the highway structure back to 1950 with population we have now, people would be walking to, in the same amount of space, uh, time that it takes to drive. Right. And the other thing the lady brought up that uh, there's uh, power lines, uh, high tension power lines along the uh, road. Well, take a look at the 407. Most of it's alongside of uh, high tension power lines. Okay, Murray, thank you for that. Thank you. Okay, I'm looking at the clock. We are out of time, so I'm going to go around the virtual table and give everyone 20 seconds, starting with Doug Willens. Yeah, thank you, Libby. It's, uh, yeah, I guess getting back to uh, the transportation side of it, you know, we've got we've got the goal line that runs into Brampton, and we've been promising Brampton for probably 40 years for an all-day two-way goal um, if we just improve the all-day two-way go along that line, it's going to alleviate a lot of traffic for people that want to get get to the east, get to Toronto, to get downtown, to get to the places of work, and the commute would be a lot faster. I use the go quite regularly, and it's very good. Alan Sheffman? The uh, 413 will not be positive for the city of Vaughan. We acted, our city council acted, based on the overwhelming concerns by our residents. And last word to you, Green Party leader Mike Schreiner. Yeah, the Ontario Greens, I'm with what Councillor Willen said. Let's improve all day two-way go. Uh, my writing of wealth is on that same uh, go route. And we've had 50 years of history that shows us when we build more highways, it leads to more traffic and gridlock. There are more affordable, fiscally responsible ways to meet our transportation needs. Okay. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about this one again. It is uh, obviously a big hot button. Thank you so much, Doug Willens, Alan Sheffman, and Mike Schreiner. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks very much. Have, Have a good, good day. day. Bye now. Bye now. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about another hot button issue at the municipal level, and I bet it bothers you or your neighbors one way or another, leaf blowers, when we come back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. While we are on the subject of issues that people really care about, because they have such an impact on the day-to-day. Let's talk leaf blowers. I've got to say, it's huge in my neighborhood and probably in yours. And look outside. It is finally nice enough to sit out now or after work or first thing in the morning. And how annoying is it to be greeted by the loud and grating sound of gas-powered leaf blowers? Not to mention the air pollution they cause. Now, a report on what to do about leaf blowers from city staff has been taking a very long time, and it is due next week. I think 
Uh, it is due next week. And after that, it will go to committee. So the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. Are you bothered by leaf blowers? Those noisy gas ones? What do you think we should do about it? Should we ban them? Should we limit the hours where they're allowed to operate? I'm not sure if that ever works. Uh, so just tell me what you think about it. Uh, I can tell you that I, I can't even count the times when, when on a weekend, finally, like you've got a few minutes to breathe or to go sit outside, have dinner in the backyard and then, mm, so that's where I stand on it. But right now, let us talk to other people. We have got uh, Toronto Councillor James Pasternak, and he is in Ward 6, Yard Centre. We've got Harold Smith with the Lytton Park Association of Residents, and Harold has been working against leaf blowers for years and we will also be talking to someone in the industry, and I can see that uh, the lines are starting to fill up. So welcome, and thanks so much for being with us. Pleasure to be here. Is that Harold? No, this is Councillor Pasternak. Hi, Councillor Pasternak. Harold, are you there? Yes, I am. So tell us something about how long you've been trying to deal with this issue. Well, I, I, I think I've been doing it for about 15 years <laughs> memory serves me right. I, I remember corresponding with Karen Stintz when she was on council. And, you know, she seemed receptive, but she said, we'd have to wait until the city does it before we can ask other people to do it. And that was before battery-operated equipment was viable. So I, I, I've been part of the Toronto Noise Coalition, um, a group of people that are advocating for a tough noise bylaw that protects people um, instead of protecting industries from regulation. We sat in with uh, industry and MLS staff, I think about three or four years ago, possibly more. And as far as we're concerned, nothing meaningful. Um, you know, my neighborhood isn't quieter than it was before. In fact, I think it's even noisier. But that was addressing construction noise, um, mechanized gardening noise, etc. So yeah. here we are in 2022 and another report's coming out. So I don't know. My hope, I don't have high hopes about it. Councillor Pasternak, where is it at? I know that uh, COVID was uh, cited as the reason it's taking so long. And, and uh, what will happen if and when we finally see this report next week? Well, I mean, we're we're all very anxious for this report. This has gone on too long, and um, I, I really wish um, people would stop hiding behind COVID because this is the type of thing that could easily uh, have been done um, during a pandemic. There's nothing. There's no supply chain issues with bringing a report back, uh, you know, with recommendations. So um, that being said, it's time. It's time to move on. The um, the tabling of the report is imminent, and uh, and we're very anxious to see it. This is this is something that's um, not only a disruption in our local neighborhoods of people trying to enjoy, uh, you know, the, the the quiet of their of their private property, but also um, it is it is a pollutant, and uh, so either on the climate change side or on the environment side. Or on sort of the, the the neighborhood enjoyment side. Either way you look at it, um, you know it's it's a it's a problem, and we have to we have to address it. And and no one's saying they can't hire a lawn care service or uh, or, or such. Uh, and there are alternatives: battery operated, electrical. Uh, they're coming on the market with uh, with enormous uh, sophistication. Yeah, it, it's interesting. We had our neighborhood cleanup a couple of weeks back, and and one of the neighbors came up with a list of things that that you could do and of equipment that's not going to be as disruptive. Councillor Pasternak, before we move to our other guests, what are you hearing from your constituents? Yeah, so I do get I do get these emails of of people who. Who are who are 
frustrated by by the noise, uh, by the smell, um, and and by the contamination in the air of of this equipment, and. Um, uh, so they're they're writing with concern, and, and what's the you know what's the city doing about it? Well, uh, it is hard for for a municipal government to regulate an industry, but that's exactly what we'd be doing. Not just not just the in, the end user, uh, the lawn care people, or sometimes they're owned by private homeowners, uh, but also we'd be regulating a manufacturing sector, whether these are brought in whether they're imported or whether they're manufactured domestically. So these are tricky issues that we have to address, but we're prepared to do it. Okay. Speaking of the industry, I'd like to bring in Joe Salome. He is the Deputy Executive Director of Landscape Ontario Horticulture Trades Association. Hi, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. So uh, I'm assuming that you are opposed to banning and not necessarily. I mean, nobody likes uh, to be interrupted. Nobody likes to have the uh, the noise pollution. And uh, you know, we're certainly uh, aware of the uh, the contaminants. Um, and thankfully, manufacturers have been on board. Um, the uh, newer equipment, newer gas-powered equipment, is much more fuel efficient, um, and uh, exhaust is much less. Well, and wait a minute. But the talk about the ban is for gas-powered. Sure. And so the, uh, and what, uh, what happens with Landscape Ontario, with our member community, there is free training that comes along with, uh, leaf blowers. And, um, you know, that the, uh, the equipment that we use to demonstrate that is gas powered. And one of the very first things that we address is the courtesy to offer to the community while that piece of equipment is in use. Like I said, nobody likes to be interrupted especially through COVID, as more people working from home, properties being taken care of, um, more people so spending um, the, money on So what is, what is the courtesy? So the, uh, the, the best practices uh, should be for any one particular property, anywhere between uh, one to three, maybe five minutes of a use of a leaf blower to use half throttle. Um, the, uh, it doesn't always have to be a full throttle use uh, of the equipment to achieve the result that, the, uh, that you're looking for. Okay, so uh, what I am taking from what you're saying is that uh, you are for a uh, courteous use of the equipment, but not for banning it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see a, a ban uh, being helpful. Uh, I think uh, working together, um, industry, um, municipal uh, council working together to find a solution that works for everybody. An outright ban of um, gas-powered um, blowers would offer significant costs, not just to industry, but to municipalities as well. Municipalities are one of the highest users of gas-powered uh, leaf blowers. So there would be significant costs associated with that, not only in equipment, but in labor. Uh, gas or uh, leaf blowers account for uh, 25 to 30 percent of um, efficiency savings for labor. Okay, let's hear from Bridget in Toronto. Hello, Bridget. Are you there, Bridget? Oh, hi, Libby. Um, I guess you know this all comes back to our need for perfection. I, I recently um, started to build a house up north, and unfortunately, one sunny morning, started to hear that sound and thought, really, up here? Um, I just, I think we have to get away from the idea that there's something wrong with having a leaf on your grass. <laughs> you know what that's, and, and how do you, how do you feel when, uh, what do you think when you're trying to enjoy a natural moment? I mean, d- I know exactly how I feel. I think I can't believe you're making that noise. <laughs> how selfish. <laughs> that's how I feel. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I think I know where you stand on this. Would you like to see a ban? I think, um, I, I don't know. I think, I think if there are other solutions, if, I don't think we're ever going to be able to solve the idea of, of perfection, uh, on, or grass being perfect. Um, uh, so possibly something that is not noisy. You know, if you want to go ahead and, and take, spend all day getting leaves off your grass, go ahead. Just don't interrupt me. Okay. Thanks, Bridget, for that. 
Okay, uh, we've got to take another break. We'll be back with more on this with Councillor James Pasternak, Harold Smith, and we'll be taking your calls. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Would you like to have gas leaf blowers banned? Are you okay with limiting the hours if that would work or uh, having people have a more courteous use of them? We'll talk about it when we come back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are talking about gas-powered leaf blowers. Would you like them to be banned? Or would you be happy if the hours of use would be limited? Or if, as Joe Solomy pointed out, people just use them in a more courteous way, that being uh, for no more than five minutes at a time and at half throttle. Uh, So, Harold Smith, what do you think of those ideas? Well, quite frankly, I think think that gas-powered equipment, two-cycle equipment, should be banned, uh, as it has been banned in um, numerous cities in the United States. I mean, the entire state of California is going to stop the sale of this equipment. They've passed legislation for that. There's legislation in the New York State Senate, which is in the Health Committee, about doing the same thing. The National Capital Commission in Ottawa has transitioned to battery equipment, and they've told their contractors that's what has to be used, or they don't get the work. The city of Ottawa is looking at the same um <clears throat> situation with with public land. There are several cities in Quebec, Westmount, um, uh, Sherbrooke, a few others that have banned the use of this equipment. Vancouver, BC, the east part of it, I believe, has banned this equipment. So it can be done. Councillor Pasternak, do you think that the, the staff report is going to address a ban or just limiting the hours? Well, usually when municipalities go down this road to try and ban something, um, staff offer uh, more uh, cautionary advice uh, that uh, a ban in the true sense uh, could lead to litigation. And that um, and that various industry groups could could take exception to it, um, and 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 get it in front of the courts where we could win or we could uh, we could lose. I think um, you know based on the discussions we're having internally and with stakeholders, some kind of a, a compromise uh, is 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 in the works, uh, where we would probably. Um, Work to uh, you know phase in new technologies. With the city as the leader uh, in that, uh, using battery or electric, um, and at the same time uh, limiting, um, putting new restrictions on on the gas powered. But as I said, the staff report um, could, could be a cautionary note uh, that that we could be going down a road uh, that's uh, that's tricky business, and and we've been there before. Uh, but let's see what comes back. It's long overdue. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Harold just cited other cities that they could get it done. Uh, and Councillor Pasternak, how much longer is this going to take? So it's going to the report is going to go uh, to it. Does it go to the Economics Committee or the Infrastructure Committee? Infrastructure. It will come to Infrastructure and Environment. Uh, that's that's where it originates from. Uh, it it could go to government licensing because it's sort of a regulatory uh, issue. It could be bumped around a bit. It will eventually work its way up to to council, um, and then all councillors will have to decide. And and uh, is this is, is there any chance that this happens in, in the summer while we still want to sit out? Uh, this summer, it's highly unlikely. Uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, um, a, a ban uh, in, in the true sense would be a phase-in. You, you would not have it come in within six months. You would have to transition uh, certain technologies out and new, and new technologies in. You would have to give industry uh, stakeholders uh, the opportunity to to transition their equipment out. Uh, and so 
this summer is highly unlikely. Besides, it's an election year. Our last council meeting is in July, um, and then um, and then of course it's it's an election period. Uh, so we won't be meeting again to to discuss policy till. Uh, December of 2022 or, or early January 2023. So there's a ways to go. I mean, the frustrating part of this is it's taken so long to get this report. Uh, but but once it's kind of on the council floor, I I think we can move it along quicker. Okay, uh, let's take a couple of calls. Uh, even though it looks like this is going to take yet a lot of more time, Daryl in Toronto. Hi, Daryl. Hello there. Uh, my thought really quickly is, uh, from my experience with these things, if you have to use protective measures on your ears to operate some machinery, then you have no business subjecting anybody in the neighborhood to it. The noise. Good point. Thanks for that. Okay. Let's go to Ernst in Toronto. Hello, Ernst. Hello. Uh, I, I go to Europe a lot, particularly to Austria. And uh, in, in, in Austria, it is illegal to use a lawnmower on a Sunday. And I've never encountered a, a leaf blower over there at all. People use a rake. <laughs> yeah, that's how old-fashioned. <laughs> and it's good yeah. exercise, too. Yeah. Now, what they have, what is very predominant over there, Husqvarna, the Swedish company, makes an automatic lawnmower uh, which you use in your yard. It has, it works like those vacuum cleaners which you have in your house. And you set the frequency you want it to mow your lawn. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they, uh, because it's, it's illegal over there for the, because of the noise. So Sunday is a day of rest to, to cut your lawn on a Sunday. So everybody, uh, many people buy those. I know my sister has one and the neighbors. My mother was in a nursing home, and they had one there, and these old people were sitting outside and watching that mower do his work. Okay, thank you for that, Ernst. Uh, yeah, I I don't even know what's allowed on Sundays, but I, I don't know if those time-of-day bans are effective at all, because I know I hear all that stuff. There's construction after 7.30 at night when there's not supposed to be. It's before 7.30 in the morning when it's not supposed to be. Uh, all those things, and not just from leaf blowers, but from whatever else is going on. Mm-hmm. Joe, Joe Salome, quickly, what do you think about what you've been hearing? Uh, I mean, it's all reasonable. and uh, Nobody likes to be... Uh, disrupted. Um, but from an industry's perspective, uh, it's all about uh, training our people for courteous use um, and uh, safe use uh, for hazards uh, and efficiency. And so um, we want to work together um, with municipalities to come up with a solution uh, rather than see an outright ban. Harold, uh, what do you do next, uh, given that uh, this is winding its way very, very slowly? Well, all I, all I can do, and others who feel the same way about this, is just depute it at City Hall and keep, keep writing letters. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's all we can do. It's, it's quite frustrating. I think we're just waiting for technology to be so pervasive it's not a problem. And that could take a long time. Yeah. Uh- it's, 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 it's too frustrating particularly when we know our health is being affected not only by what we hear, but what we're also breathing in. So, Absolutely. It, yeah. uh, Councillor Pasternak, do the views on this in any way break down sort of downtown versus the suburbs, or is it mostly you think people who live in single-family homes opposed to apartment dwellers? How, how do you see that part of it? Well, um, when it came to council, um, we had uh, we had a vote um, on whether to deal with it uh, on the council floor, send it off to committee, and uh, the the downtown councillors um, actually um, supported uh, dealing with right then and there on the um, on the council floor. I see some of the names here of, of many of the downtown uh, councillors. Um, some of the suburban councillors 
I, I'm a suburban counselor, but I, I supported dealing with it right away. But there is this support uh, among both the inner suburbs and and the downtown. Now, uh, one thing I should point out is one thing we're working on is trying to restrict the souping up of motorcycles and cars and, oh. and the noise that they emit, especially uh, speed racing down main arterial roads through the night. And on a regulatory framework it is it is just very tough to 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 get that done because the cars are are manufactured under um you know under federal jurisdiction and then uh the imported parts are, are part of international trade agreements and then of course uh you've got a situation um in which they're souped up locally um so so these these Often seem like simple, simple issues, but they they become they become more complicated when you really try and tackle them. Um, but I, I think I think we can do this. I think many jurisdictions have proven uh, that this can be done. Uh, that the lawn care industry can still thrive, and that and that there's mutual respect in our local neighborhoods. Finally, I know that some councillors object. They say if. There was a ban, and I'm assuming it would be a phased-in ban. It would be impossible to enforce it. I, I don't know if that's true because people are really bugged by it. If people uh, break the rules. What do you wh- What do you think of that? Is that Is that for me? Yes. Yeah. So uh, th- that is a very good point. Enforcement. We put all kinds of policies in, and then we don't have the resources to to enforce. So, um, so that, that is something that we'll have to grapple with. I, as city staff will ask for more resources to enforce. But, you know, the, the leaf blowers are a moving target. You know, um, someone reporting it to 311 on a Sunday afternoon is not gonna, uh, you know, sit, uh, go to a, um, uh, municipal licensing officer's uh, desk until, you know, a Monday or Tuesday. So that's, that's not going to work. I mean, where where it's uh, it's it's probably going to work is um, is is in in market forces and and making sure that the availability of these two strokes uh, are are no longer uh, in the marketplace. That's that's the way we moved uh, from. That's how we changed the light bulb industry. Um, so. Um, so that's that's really really the key. We need. Um, we need all levels of government to work together to make sure that this equipment is no longer available in, at a retail uh, end, and that good, modern, clean, um, quiet equipment is, is brought to market in its place. Okay. Thank you so much, Councillor James Pasternak, Harold Smith, and Joe Solomy. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Take care. All the best. Thank you. All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. That's all the time we have for today. Free for All Friday is coming up tomorrow, and uh, there are a lot of things happening, uh, including the latest number on the number of COVID deaths around the world is three times as high, according to the World Health Organization, than we thought at 15 million people. Wow. Just as we think we're getting over this. So, We'll talk tomorrow. That's all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.